This kind of details some things we want to do, not just here at New Hope, make some improvements, update some rooms, but we'd also like to make a difference around the world. Well, you received a card when you walked in that's in your bulletin, and this is part one of this three-year initiative. And what you can do is you can scan that QR code on the very back, or you can go to newhopeeastlake.org, click on the Give tab, and there's a video on there that you can watch that details each of these things. Now, one of the things that I'm most excited about is our project in Pedernales in the Dominican Republic. So there's a community there, and we want to be on the ground floor of beginning a school there. The illiteracy rate in Pedernales is really high. Unemployment rate is very high. And what will happen with this beginning this school is not only does this educate children that might not be that will not be educated, but it also gives basic health care to these children and it provides a feeding program for these children as well. And so we want to raise $50,000 in a year. That's not that big a deal. Right? I mean, it's not that big a deal. Imagine being able to feed a lot of kids, help educate kids, give them basic health care, $50,000 um, as a part of this part one of this plan. There are some other things that we want to do throughout the year as well, but Pedernales, the first $50,000 we raise is going directly to that, to, that, um, to that program, to that ministry. And so um, if you guys want to be a part of this, Scan that QR code. Now, it's important to, to remember that, that we, this needs to be over and above our regular ties. So our budget, it, this can't debilitate our budget. Um, this is over and above, okay? And so, you know, if you want to be a part of this, if you're looking for some end of the year ways that you can give and get uh, tax write-offs, this is a great, great plan. So go check, out the, go check out the video and you can find out more of some things that we're wanting to do, not only here on campus, but also in our missions work um, in the Dominican Republic. So in 1996... I was a youth pastor. I was fresh out of Bible college, and I was a youth pastor in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So I went to college in the Midwest, was a youth pastor there for several years. And every year with my youth group, we would take a summer trip with our middle schoolers and our high schoolers. And middle schoolers, you know, we'd go to like St. Louis or Dallas or something like a three-day trip. But our high schoolers, we would go on a week-long trip and is usually a lot further. And me being the huge sports fan that I am, I would strategically pick a place for our high school summer trip that had a baseball stadium that I'd never been to before. And so, and so this particular year, we were going to Cincinnati, Ohio. And they have Kings, I think it's called Kings Island or whatever. It's a big amusement park that they have there. And there's a lot of other stuff to do in Cincinnati. We had the whole week planned out. And of course, we were going to go to a Reds game as well. And, um, and, and so we, you know, I've got 50, 60 high schoolers driving cross country to Cincinnati, Ohio with, you know, I have a great, I had a great team, a great leadership team as well with our youth leaders and volunteers. So we make the trek and we go to Cincinnati. Now, what we would typically do, because you're the high schoolers, you know, you're typically eating at McDonald's, you're eating at Taco Bell, right? Just something cheap, quick, all of that stuff. But I always scheduled on our summer trips, one nice dinner. So I would actually get the kids actually dress up a little bit to look 
you know, at least presentable. And we would go to a nice dinner. Uh, we built that in, into the price. And so it was great. So we had chosen, I'd chosen this, this steakhouse in downtown Cincinnati, this really cool place. Um, and so we get, you know, spiffed up a little bit as, as much as, you know, high schoolers can get spiffed up. And we go, and we have the, literally the entire middle section of this restaurant. There's like 50, 60 high schoolers. So we had just tables all lined up. And, and uh, so I'm kind of sitting on the end so I could kind of be away from the teenagers. And I, and I have great youth pastor. And I have some of my, 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 you know, high school leaders there. And, you know, everybody's kind of spread all out. Well, I'm, I'm next to the wall where there's booths, Right. And we're talking, we haven't, we hadn't ordered yet. We'd just gotten there and, and, you know, we're, we're, we're talking and, you know, we have our drinks and all that stuff. And out of my periphery, like out of the, like, kind of the side, I can see, I, I just kind of, something just caught my eye. Somebody walked in and I glanced over and I look at the booth next to me. There's a guy and the girl and the guy was Dion Sanders. People always ask me, are those stories you tell true? Yeah, they're true. I'm not going to lie to you on Sunday morning. So, so, or any day, I hope not, but especially not when I'm preaching, right? So you, you know what I meant. Come on, come on. Okay, so now that you're awake, so Deion Sanders walks in. I'm young. I'm fresh out of Bible college. He's young. And if you remember at that time, he was playing football and baseball. And he played for the Cincinnati Reds during that time. And I'm a huge sports fan. He's with the lady. And he's, he's, I'm like, I'm literally like from here, I'm sitting like right here. And they're right there, like by the Christmas tree. Like I'm that close to Deion Sanders. I'm a huge sports fanatic. And so I'm just like geeking out. I'm like... Deion Sanders is right next to me and he's the biggest thing. He's still the biggest thing, but he, at that time, he wasn't coach prime. He was, you know, football player, baseball player, greatest athlete in the world at the time. And, and uh, everybody knows him, prime time, Neon Dion, all the nicknames that he has. And of course, my first, we didn't have cell phones back then, believe it or not. Some of you younger people, you're like, what? You didn't have, a, no, we didn't have cell phones, no cell phones. We had disposables that we took on the, on the trip because nobody entrusts their teenagers to like a real camera. So we had disposables and, and my first thought is, I want to get his autograph. I'm a huge sports fan. I collect his cards, all this stuff. And like, I want to get Dion's autograph and, and I want to get a picture taken with him. All that stuff. This Dion Sanders is literally right next to me. And, and, uh, and then something weird happened. It's the craziest thing. I felt the Lord nudging me and my heart is beating out of my chest. And I, I feel the Lord prompting me, speaking to me, whatever you want to call it, nudging me and telling me, get some of the kids in the youth group, get some of your leaders and go pray with this man. And I'm like, God, do you know who that is? <laughs> my heart is pounding. And I'm like, we're at a restaurant. What's everybody going to think about me? What's he going to think about me? This is Deion Sanders. And I feel the Lord go pray with him. And I'm sitting here arguing with God and my heart is pounding out of my chest. 
And then some of the kids in the youth group, some of the high schoolers are like, hey, we're, we're gonna go ask him for, for his autograph. So they walk over there and they ask him for his autograph. He does not even look up. And the girl that he is with says, he doesn't sign during dinner. And so they went back over and sat down and I'm like, see God? Like, there's no way I'm going over there when he, I mean, he didn't even look at him. Like he's busy, he's with somebody, you, you know, and, and, and I hesitated. And I was scared. And I didn't know if this is really from God or if this is from me. And I didn't do it. So we eat, he's eating, we start to leave and some of the kids are, are like, hey, let's wait for him in the parking lot. I'm like, great idea. And so we go out in the parking lot and we're looking for the nicest, most souped up Mercedes, BMW, SUV. We cannot find like a car that like Dion would drive. We're like, oh, she drove. How are we gonna know like what car, you know, or whatever. So we're waiting outside at our, we have this huge bus. We're waiting outside and Dion and this girl come walking out. I swear to you, there is a, literally right by the door, there's a little moped like a Vespa, a little moped. He's been mauled before at places, right? And he comes out the door, him and the girl get on the moped, gone. Before you can even walk up to it, he's gone. And we're like, so the next day at the Reds game, we booed him the entire game. <laughs> oh. Life isn't just about time. Life's about moments. It's about moments. We're in a series right now called Holy Moments. And we're looking at four holy moments in the birth of Jesus. In this Christmas story, which is what Christmas is all about. It's about the birth of Jesus. In week one, we looked at the story of Joseph and a moment of obedience and our main thought for that message was this, we never know what God can do through one act of obedience. And then last week in week two, Pastor Jason, let's give it up for Pastor Jason. Didn't he do a great job? Yes, he did a good job. Last week, we looked at a moment of surrender and we looked at Mary and how Mary, even though the situation didn't make sense, she surrendered to the Lord. And the idea last week was we never know what God can do through one moment of surrender. Today, we're going to look at the third holy moment. And the title of my message is A Moment of Boldness. And we're going to look at the story of the shepherds in Luke chapter 2. And the idea behind today is this we never know how God might use one moment of boldness to change somebody's life. I did not listen to God. I was not bold. A few months later, in 1997, this was 1996, a few months later, I see on the news that Deion Sanders had tried to commit suicide. In 1997, Deion Sanders drove his car off a cliff. This is in his autobiography. Sanders managed to survive 
and he didn't have any serious injuries, but he shared that this event gave him a higher understanding of God and what God wanted to do in his life. And this is what he says, and I quote, I was going through so many trials and tribulations in my life at that time. I was pretty much running on fumes. I was empty, I had no peace, I had no joy, and I was losing hope with all the progression of everything that was going on in my life. I saw that on the news and my heart sunk. It didn't make sense to me at the time. And I don't know what it would have done. But what I knew was I would never disobey God again when he prompts me to do something. You never know what one moment of boldness how one moment of boldness can change somebody's life. What would it have done in his life? I don't know, because I didn't obey. I, didn't, I cared more about what other people thought about me and about the situation than I did about listening to the voice of God. You see, sometimes God puts us in unique places around unique people for a unique reason. Everything is spiritual. God put me there, put our youth group there, put him there for a reason. And God spoke to me, God nudged me, and I didn't listen. Turn to Luke chapter 2. Matthew, Mark, Luke, New Testament. We're going to begin in verse 8. We're going to look at the boldness of the shepherds. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord said, or stood, suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I will bring you good news and great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there is born for you a savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign that you will see, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let's go straight away to Bethlehem. Look at their confidence. Look at their boldness. They didn't question themselves. They didn't question God. With boldness, they say, let's go see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. In verse 16, so they came in a hurry. They rushed with great boldness. And they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they had made known the statement which had been told about this child. Look at their boldness. They see what God had told them. And then they start telling everybody about what the Lord had spoke to them about. And all who heard it wondered at these things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things in her heart, pondering them. We'll look at that next week. A moment of reflection. 
And the shepherds went back, glorifying God, praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as they had been told. The story is really interesting. But what's interesting about this story, we've read it a million times. We're really familiar with it. We know the story, but there's so much more to this story than what we read on the surface. Because before this life-altering, this world-changing event, God had been silent for 400 years. As a matter of fact, the last time God had spoke was to a prophet, Malachi. 400 years of silence. And then God speaks to these shepherds. And what's interesting is that this grand announcement, God had not spoken 400 years. You would think that, that God would have announced this to a king, but he didn't. You would think that God would announce this to the religious leaders or to the religious elite, the Pharisees and the priests, but he didn't. You would think that God would have announced this to somebody prominent, but he didn't. He announced it to shepherds that were tending their flock at night. If you know anything about first century shepherds, and we're gonna find out a little more about them here in a minute, you would ask yourself why in the world after 400 years of silence would God bring this announcement to shepherds? And that's kind of how I felt in that restaurant. Why is God speaking? I'm young. I'm just out of Bible college. Why in the world does God know of all the people? Why is God nudging me? Well, there's a couple things about shepherds and they're in your notes. You can, should have notes in your bulletin. If you've downloaded our New Hope Eastlake app, you can click on the outline section and they're on there as well. The first thing about shepherds is that you know, shepherds were not allowed to testify in court. Shepherds were not trusted. People did not trust shepherds at all. They could not testify in court. Shepherds rarely sold land because nobody trusted them. They thought that there was a catch to it or that they'd stolen the property and they rarely sold land. Shepherds weren't allowed in the temple for worship. Think about this. God speaks to shepherds and shepherds aren't even allowed to go to church. They're not allowed in the temple for worship because they're seen as unclean. Shepherds were social outcasts. They were bottom of the rung. They were like, in those days, like tax collectors or, 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 or prostitutes. You remember the story of the prophet going to Jesse and saying, Jesse, one of your boys is gonna be the next king of Israel. And Jesse listed all of his boys from the oldest. And then he's like, do you not have another son? And he's like, well, he's a shepherd. Yeah, I have a, he's, he's a shepherd. The youngest son did the lowest job and the lowest job was being a shepherd. Literally, if a shepherd was coming down the road, you would cross to the other side to not be anywhere near a shepherd. And what's remarkable, remarkable about the boldness of the shepherds is that the shepherds knew the way people felt about them. Like they knew how they were viewed. They knew what their reputation was. They knew they weren't allowed in church. They knew all of this. And yet instead of, allowing the, instead of the shepherds allowing their reputation 
to bring them down or to be discouraged or to have no self-confidence at all, the shepherds acted in boldness. They didn't question whether God was speaking to them. They didn't stop and say, there's no way this is from God. They literally went on their way and then they went and they went announcing the birth of Messiah. Their boldness is amazing. What about you? Do you feel unworthy of hearing God's voice? Do you ask yourself, there is no way that God could speak to me. There's no way that God would use me. God uses pastors and, and religious people and, and, and there's no way God could ever speak to me. Have you ever wondered whether God ever hears your prayers? Have you ever asked yourself, why would God ever speak to somebody like me? It's okay to feel like that, but if you feel like that, you need to understand that you're wrong. You are absolutely wrong. Now there's some common responses that we have, and I wanna emphasize the word common, because these are common responses that all of us have when we feel God nudging or prompting or speaking, whatever you wanna call it. There's some common responses we have. And the first one is this, and we see this with the angels. We experience fear. That's what I experienced sitting in that restaurant next to prime time. I was scared to death. My heart was pounding. I was scared of what people would think about me. I was scared of what he would think about me. I was scared about what my youth group would think about me if you know, he didn't even acknowledge me or, or said no, or, or I was afraid of what other people would think. Look what it says in verse nine with the angels. It says, when this announcement came, they were frightened. In the Greek, this isn't a word, this is a phrase. And it literally means to be frightened with massive, intense fear. They were scared out of their minds. They were terrified at what had happened. God had not spoken in 400 years and God had never spoken to them. And yet God is speaking to these shepherds who had this horrible reputation. They weren't even allowed to go to church. And yet God is speaking to these shepherds. They were scared. And I think a lot of times when God nudges us or when God speaks to us or we feel a prompting from the Holy Spirit, it's not that we don't believe in God, it's that we don't believe in ourselves. We question ourselves. Why would God speak to me? People aren't gonna listen to me. What if they ask me a question about the Bible that I don't know the answer to? And we think that because of things that we've done in our past or sins that we've committed, that God cannot speak to us, that God cannot use us. Who am I to speak about God? It's okay to experience fear. We see this with the angel or with the shepherds. It's common because for most of us, probably all of us, God speaking to us is not a common thing. I can count in what 20 plus years of, of ministry, I can count on both hands the number of times where I was a hundred percent sure this nudging, this prompting, the speaking from the Lord was 100% from God, 100%. So it's not common. The shepherds had never heard from God. God hadn't spoken 400 years. And maybe with you, 
God has spoke to you, but you're maybe not listening to the Lord. Because what happens a lot of times is that the more we listen to God, the more we obey God, the easier it is to recognize that this is from God. And yet the opposite is true. The, the more we deny, the more we resist, the more we hesitate, then we're probably not going to hear from God. And I made a commitment on that day when I saw that on the news, that whenever I felt the prompting of the Lord, I don't care if it didn't make sense. I don't care what people think about me. I'm going to listen because God knows things that I don't know. God knew what he was going through. God knew what was going on in his life. And he had uniquely positioned 60-something Christians right next to him that could pray with him, and I didn't do it. How many of you understand and you know that for whatever reason, God chooses the most unlikely to do the extraordinary. How many of you understand that? Like you can't hardly read pages of the Bible without seeing this. We see it over and over and over throughout the Bible. Maybe you don't feel holy enough. Maybe you don't feel spiritual enough. Maybe you don't feel worthy enough that God could use you or that God could speak to you or that God could, could nudge you with his Holy Spirit. You need to understand that God has a way of using the most unlikely characters. We see it throughout the scripture. So do not count yourself out. Do not discount your experience with God. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. God has a way of using the most unlikely people in the most unlikely situations to do the most unlikely thing. We see this throughout the scriptures. And so don't discount yourself. I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not this. Are you with me? Do you get it? Don't count yourself out because you never know how God might use one moment of boldness to change somebody's life. No one is too low for God's love no one is beyond God's grace and no one is too far that God's power cannot reach. Did you know that this time of year, right now, this time of year, people are more open to the gospel than any other time. People who are not, who are far from God, people that don't believe in God. Did you know right now, this time of year is the most likely time, according to surveys, that somebody will be open to a spiritual conversation. Did you also know that this time of year, even more than Easter, people are more open to an invitation to church than any other time? Why do you think we do some of the things that we do here at New Hope? Why do you think that every Sunday we've had a train outside? We have Santa and cookies. And last week we had snow and all. Why do you think we do that stuff? We do it for you, yeah but we do it to give you an opportunity to invite people to church that might not normally come to church, but they'll come for some kind of cool activity or some good food. That's why we do this stuff because it's an evangelistic opportunity for you to invite somebody to church. And I hope you feel confident that when they come, they're gonna hear the gospel. They're gonna hear God's word and they're gonna be around some amazing people. Lord, help us to have a sense of urgency. Help us to be bold. 
to stand up for our faith, to communicate our faith, we see that these shepherds with great boldness, they didn't doubt themselves, they didn't doubt God, they just went and they had to see what God had told them. The second common response, I think, is this, is that we often need confirmation. God, is this really from you? Is, I mean, even the shepherds, look at verse 17 in, in chapter two. It says that in verse 17, it says, when they had seen this, they made known the statement that had been told about them. So when they got confirmation, they told everybody about Messiah. And I think a lot of times, this is what we need. And it's okay. God, is this really you speaking to me? God, is this really from you? Or is this just me? You remember a story in the Old Testament with a young man named Samuel? Samuel was sleeping. And he was in the temple. He was, he was in the tabernacle. And the Lord was speaking to him. Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. And the Bible says that the word of the Lord was rare at that time. And it goes further and it says that Samuel had not ever heard from the Lord. And so Samuel goes up and he asked, he, he thought Eli was calling him, the priest. He thought the priest was calling him. So he got up and he went, what do you need? And the priest is like, I, I, I didn't call you. And then again, God speaks again. And then finally, he recognized that this is God. Eli told him, he said, well, the next time, say, here I am, this is your servant. I'm listening. You see, when we're not used to God speaking to us, or when we don't feel worthy for God to speak to us, a lot of times we think it's other things than what it really is. And yet it's from the Lord because we're not used to God's voice. You guys remember when you were younger, those of you that are my age, you remember your parents saying, oh, your music's horrible. I don't understand any of the words. And you're, you know, when, when I was younger, it was like Motley Crue, Metallica, Pearl Jam, all that. And my parents are like, this is horrible. I don't need, I can't even under, they're just screaming. I don't understand anything they're saying. I'm like, how do you not understand it? This is amazing music. How, like, how can you not understand these words? It's so easy. Fast forward several years, my son, like, what is this garbage? I don't even under, I, can't, I don't understand anything they're saying. I can't, I don't understand nothing. Dad, how can you not understand? It's, e it's easy to understand it. You see, when we, when we have this repetition, when we hear and when we come up with it, it's, it's, we can understand it when other people can't. And the same thing goes through the voice of God. The more we hear God's voice, the more we respond to God's voice, the more we listen to God's voice, it becomes easier to recognize what's God's voice. And in my case, not doing what God told me to do and then seeing what had happened a few months later, that told me, okay, that was God. And it helped me the next time when I felt the Lord prompting me. But a lot of times we need confirmation and that's okay. God sometimes will nudge us. Now God has never spoken to me audibly. Rick, Rick, preach a two hour sermon today. God's never audibly, but God speaks through his word. God nudges through his Holy Spirit. God sometimes can use other people. God does speak to us in dreams. But a lot of times it's just nudging. For me, it was my heart was just pounding and it was a different, it wasn't because I was sitting next to Deion Sanders. It was because I, the Lord was speaking to me and my heart was pounding and I knew it was from the Lord. I knew it. And yet I didn't listen. 
We need Christians today that will be bold. The shepherds heard this word and they went telling everybody, shepherds who are not even allowed in church, went telling everybody about Messiah. Our culture today is doing everything it can to shut us up to make us feel like we're exclusive, to make us feel like we're haters. Listen, now's a time like ever before to be bold in our faith, not rude and mean bold. You know what I'm saying? Loving, kind, and gracious and be bold. If we truly believe in afterlife, there's a heaven, there's a hell, and that we're not gonna live forever, then we have a responsibility to share Messiah, to share what God has done in our lives in a loving, kind way. We need people that will stand up for their faith and stand up for Jesus. Lord, help us to be more bold when it comes to our faith like these shepherds because you never know how one act of boldness can change somebody's life. Well, we see a couple results of the shepherd's boldness. In verse 17, and in verse 20, these shepherds, it changed them. Boldness changed them. They were telling everybody about Messiah. These are shepherds, and they're telling everybody about Messiah. And then in verse 20, it says that they were rejoicing and they were praising God. They're not even allowed in church and yet they're praising God. It changed them and it changes us. When we listen to God, when we obey God, when we're bold in our faith, and let me say this, on a side, the results are not up to us. You understand that, right? When we do what God wants us to do, the results are up to God. Our job is just to do what God calls us to do, do what God is nudging us to do and let him work out all the results. We have to do our part and God will do his part. You see, when we are bold and we listen to the Lord, it changes us. It does something to us. For me, it was disobeying, changed me, changed me forever and I'll never forget it. The second result of boldness is this. Our boldness changes others. Look in verse 18, it says, and all who heard it wondered at the things that they were told by the shepherds. What? God spoke to shepherds? It made a difference in the lives of other people. If God could speak to shepherds, maybe God can speak to me. If God can use a shepherd, maybe God can use me. If God could love a shepherd, maybe God loves me. And you see, when you're bold and you share your story and you're honest about your mess ups, your hang ups, your struggles, and we don't put on this fake Christian fa face, when we're honest, God can change people's lives. How many times do we see that the Apostle Paul said, man, I was a chief of sinners. I was the worst of the worst. I did all these horrible things. And yet God changed my life. Don't be afraid of your story. God uses crack pots. Don't be afraid to share your story. Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, and it was God that gave the increase. We do what God calls us to do, and it makes a difference in the lives of other people. Um, some of you know my faith journey. I gave my life to Christ my senior year of high school. And um, I, you know, my family is a great family, but they're just not church-going people. Um, 
and uh, very supportive of me going into ministry, gave my life to Christ, ended up going in ministry. There are nobody, no pastors in my family that I know of. And, and, uh, and, and, and so my family, even though it's kind of weird and it's like, oh, you know, Rick, uh, uh, very, very, very supportive. So my grandma, I have a great relationship with my grandma. She turned 90 this year. I think we got a picture of my, my grandma and I. She turned 90 this year. Look at her shirt. Being cremated is my last hope for a smoking hot bod. That tells you everything you need to know about my grandma, okay? My, I have a great relationship with my grandma. She's, she's at all of our little league games when we were little, soccer games, all that stuff. She, she's awesome. When I gave my life to Christ and went into ministry, you know, my family's kind of like, what is this? What's going on? You know, it's a phase he's going through, whatever. And um, um, I, I had talked to my grandma about, the Lord and, and my grandma, great, great person, just completely ag agnostic, just not interested. Like, and she just, she, she let me know, I'm, I'm not interested. I'm just not interested at all. Great that you're doing what you're doing. Great that God's changed your life. I'm not, in, like she's very, my grandma's very open. So she's like, not, I'm not interested. She let me know that. I'm like, noted. So, uh, and you know how it is. You have somebody that you're close to. You're like, I don't want to mess our relationship up. I don't want to, you know, like, I don't want her to get mad. You know, I love my grandma to death. And, and, and so several, fast forward several years, I, I, I felt the Lord like really putting on my heart that I need, I, I need to just present the gospel to, to, to my grandma. I was living in Arizona at the time. I planted a church out there. So I was living in a different state and I didn't see her as often. Um, and I just felt the Lord telling me like, I need to share the gospel. And I'm like, well, if I call her, she's going to, I don't know if she'll, she won't hang up on me, but she's just not going to be interested. And so what I did was I wrote my grandma a letter and what I, my grandma's going to open a letter from her favorite grandson, <laughs> grandkid. She's going to open a letter first born grandchild, by the way. So I write her a letter and I spell out what God's done in my life. The first part of that letter, how the Lord changed my life. And then I spelled out the gospel of why we need Jesus, that there's an afterlife. We're all gonna end up somewhere. We're gonna live forever with God or separated from God. I, I spelled out the gospel. And I just said, I mailed that thing and I'm like, God, do what you want. But this is what I feel the Lord wants me to do. And I'm not going to disobey like I did several years earlier. So I write her this letter. I say, I hear nothing. And I'm scared to ask her if she got the letter. <laughs> I heard nothing months and months. A year goes by. Nothing. Then one day I get a letter in the mail from my grandma telling me that she believes in Jesus. Look at, she's got a cross on her neck. You go in her house and it's nothing but Jesus and Elvis everywhere, all over her wall, Jesus and Elvis, pictures of Jesus and Elvis everywhere. I don't know if she, I don't know which one she worships, but both I think right up there. I pray with my grandma. My grandma talks about God all the time. I've sent her books 
And she, because she loves, she's read every Stephen King novel there is. So I, I used to, I don't know if she reads as much anymore. She's 90, but she, she's, I'd send her all kinds of books about God and spiritual growth and all this stuff. You never know what one act of boldness can do in somebody else's life. What about you? Has God spoke to you? Is God prompting you? Has God told you to do something that you're scared to do, that you feel unworthy to do, that you're afraid of what other people will think or what other people will say? It's okay. But at some point, we have to start listening and understand that even though the scenario and the situation makes no sense, God knows what he's doing. And he's put you where you're at, where you work, where you live, what you do, the people around you. He's done that for a reason. Lord, help us to be bold because you never know what one moment of boldness can do in somebody else's life and in your life. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this incredible example of the shepherds. They were scared, they needed confirmation, but at the end of the day, they did what you told them to do. And God, I pray for each person here today. There's no doubt people here that feel unworthy. They don't feel like you would ever speak to them. They don't feel like they're the type of people that you could ever use. And God, help us to understand this morning that that is a lie from the pits of hell. You use the ordinary, you use the most unlikely oftentimes to do the most amazing things. Father, help us to be bold, to listen to that nudging, to listen to that still small voice, to obey that urging and to be bold in Jesus' name. And amen. Hello, thank you so much for tuning in to New Hope this week. You know, the church doesn't stop when the video does. And make sure that you share this with a friend. You can even support what we're doing via the Give button here on the left. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss a single Sunday. And we cannot wait to see you this week, either in person or online. Have a great day.